When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, we're live. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's me. It's Sunday Zen. I don't know why I sung that, but it felt right. <laughs> Come in. I see all the usuals here. And Neil, who says, first time that I've seen subscribers only mode. Glad I made the cut. Yeah, so you can only comment on the live video live if you subscribe to my channel. You don't have to be a supporter, but just a subscriber. And it, what I find is it makes the energy a little more positive because people who subscribe have self-selected to care about what I'm about to talk about as opposed to you know whatever else is going on in the world which by the way if you've been watching the news oh it can get pretty heavy pretty heavy which is why I try not to watch the news but every now and again I get sucked down the vortex and you just feel you can feel the weight of the entire like human suffering industrial complex, which is this mind. You can feel it uh, as the story we tell about the world uh, through media and all of that, because it's a story. Yeah, things are happening, sure. But for you, it's a story if you're not there. And we live so much in the story. So what I want to talk about today is something, you know, again, I haven't made a lot of videos lately because I've just been sitting with you know, very uncomfortable feelings, meaning human feelings. The kind of energies in the body that we are conditioned from very young age to avoid by jumping into thought, by distracting. And for me, a lot of times distracting is going and making a video because it is instant gratification for me. I get a shot of dopamine from it. And I get to kind of, in a way, melt into the unconsciousness of certain things like reactivity. So what I've been working on lately is something, and I've been working a little with Angelo DeLulo, is you know, you can have insights that there is no self. You can't find a self in your experience. And that insight can lead to a shift that you know Angelo calls first awakening. And that's all fine. And it can be dramatic and tremendous. And there's a honeymoon period where you're just, it's a huge relief to realize that there was never somebody here kind of pulling the strings. And actually there's a vastness, right? But that's just kind of the beginning of the unfolding of all of this. And in the process, as these things seem to unfold. And, and I want you to take every word I say as complete and utter bullshit until you feel into your own experience and find what I'm saying to have some truth. Otherwise it's just completely irrelevant and my, more mind stuff. So what I'm gonna try to do is speak from my own experience right now as to what this feels like. So 
you have those shifts and we've talked about that and we've done lots of Sunday Zen like this where you know we drop into the very positive aspects of this, this presence, this, all that is, all that ever was, all that ever could be. It's radiantly apparent in front of your face and we fail to see it often apparently because we're lost in thought, believing a story, believing an identity, creating a future and past that don't exist. And that's something that's still radiantly apparent until it's not, until it's obscured by the clouds of thought, but it's never gone anywhere. It's always this, right? So we've done that, but what I haven't done as much of is what happens when you really sit with a lot of the strong emotion and body sensations and sort of reactivity that are ingrained in the human experience and that we've been conditioned to feel like we somehow control or can avoid or can seek. And that fundamental reactivity doesn't go away with initial awakening. If anything, it becomes more apparent. It becomes more front and center because it's harder and harder to hide because you can kind of see now, oh my God, what's happening? Why am I so reactive? What do I mean by reactive? I'll just give an example. Uh, and this is one that many people can relate to. You're driving in a car and somebody cuts you off or nah, let's make it a little more interesting. I'll make it more relevant to my own experience. Somebody does something that's not legal or correct and is dangerous. But in the process, they honk at you, basically saying you're the one in the wrong. So it's this kind of quick interaction and then front, they honk at you. So here I'll tell you what that cascade can feel like. It happens very quickly. There's the stimulus, the honking, the thing, and the rapid recognition that this wasn't my, this, I didn't, nope, I didn't choose this. I didn't do this. This person is doing this to me and is actually accusing me of the wrongdoing on the road. This is just an example. It can be anything in your experience. It could be a kid triggering you. It could be whatever, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, boss. And in that moment of trigger, there's a rapid sequence of events that happen. And one of those events is there's a flush of something in the body. It's in the body, you can feel it. They call them feelings for a reason, right? So you can feel something in the body, whether it's a burning in the chest, a tightness in the throat, a feeling behind the face, like a contraction, like a sense of something in the gut. You, you can feel what it is, you feel into the body and feel what it is. And so reactivity is where you have the trigger, then you have the feeling in the body, and then there's an instant and conditioned habitual series that happens. And the, the series is 
you feel it in the body, that feeling is innately is determined by, by experience to be uncomfortable. I don't like this. I don't want this. And then because there's an underlying conditioned belief structure in thought that this happened, but I would rather have this have happened. So they cut me off and honked at me. What I would have rather happened is they cut me off, realized they screwed up, waved an apology or said, sorry, and we all moved on. That's what I wanted. But what actually happened? Cut me off, honked at me. So then sense in the body from the trigger. And then because you have this underlying belief that what you want is what should have happened and somehow you can make that happen or you could have made that happen instead of what actually happened, which is what is, which is this, which is always and already the perfection of the unfolding of every single thing in the universe. And we seem to have this feeling that we could have changed that. And so the trigger happens, there's a feeling in the body, then the spinning up out of that belief is this urge, conditioned urge to do something, react, react. Whether that reaction is internal in the form of an emotion, anger, resentment, rage, annoyance, frustration, maybe even shame, like anything can arise. But it's a reaction to this energetic sense that you could have done otherwise, or that the situation could have been how you wanted, but it's not. And so there's this fundamental lack of control there. And so then there's a behavior that can happen. Sometimes the behavior is all internal. It's internal shooting into thought and ruminating and getting angry in, in your mind, but outwardly being quite calm, right? That can happen. Or it can be the immediate sequence of fuck you, slam on the horn, flip the middle finger, roll down the window, like to the point where you've almost given yourself permission to get out of the car and get in someone's face. That's how quick that can happen. I'm speaking from my own experience because this is a particular trigger for me, say. So, so let's say this thing happens where you're on some pathless path. You fancy yourself somebody who is working on themselves and is trying to wake up, whatever that means, and sees that there's actually nobody home, really. There's no self, has had like some insider even, even just a glimpse of that, that peace that passes all understanding. And then you get in the car and then that happens. It spins up the whole conditioned response so quickly that you don't even know what happened and you're steaming with rage and reactivity. That's reactivity. And that doesn't go away automatically. That doesn't, it gets, it can feel worse. It's not necessarily that it gets worse, it can feel worse because you feel all of it so directly after any kind of insight. You just, oh, oh my God, it's the whole, it's everything. So working with that reactivity, and Angelo has a beautiful video on this with Kevin about, uh, it's called um, breaking the chains of suffering, like fetters four and five. And it comes from the Buddhist lexicon of these sort of fetters of delusion that kind of chain us. And reactivity 
because of desire or ill will. So those are four and five, like, like you either want something and you can't have it. And so, or you don't want something and you want it to be different. And so the same thing, it's just, re, it's, and so sensation, trigger, sensation in the body, reaction, and then often just spinning into thought, spinning into story, and it all from this fundamental underlying belief that I should have had my way, or things should have been different than they were, or I could have done something different, you know, all these things, which the insight is actually, no, you can't, you never could, and you were never doing any of it. So the, the reactivity is so part and parcel of the human experience of our conditioning that we almost don't even notice it. And if you look at what's going on in the Middle East, if you look at what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine, if you look at it, this is all human delusional reactivity over decades on all sides. So it spins up a world that we live in, which feels like shit. Now, um, for me, I've always had a lot of reactivity. I've always been quite volatile. And so the practice, and, and I'll get to why this is so hard for me, but it may be hard for you too. The practice is you sit in your experience, and I would watch Angelo's video with Kevin, um, I'm forgetting his last name, starts with an S, on the Fetters four and five, maybe I'll link to it. Um, you, you, you pick one of these triggers that isn't too hot, like it's not childhood sexual abuse or something that's so hot a trigger that you will not be able to see clearly the process. You will just launch right into reaction without hope of catching it. So you pick something that's kind of, it's like a Goldilocks thing he says. It's like not too hot that you can't handle it and not too meh that you can think your way out of the reaction and go, oh, I never should have reacted. That was dumb. You know, it's not a big deal. No, no, no. You need something right in the middle. Like for me, maybe the, let's just use the, the traffic thing. Okay. So what you do is you sit with this. You go, okay, let me remember the trigger or, in, or invent the trigger that's happening. Same thing. Car cuts you off, honks at you. Then you're sitting quietly with this and you're feeling in the body. Okay, so there's the, there's that, how that makes me feel in the stomach. And it can be it, all kinds of things. It could be you remember, like for me also, like when I give talks or when I do a video like this, like a live video. Later, what'll happen is an intrusive thought will come that'll be like, I can't believe, remember when you said this in your video? You're so dumb. Like, why would you say that? That's not true. Or people are gonna think you're crazy. Or, oh, I can't believe it, a live show where they're, paying you to come talk, you you know, talked about meditation, like you had no right to do that. Like, what, it's so self-indulgent. Like these little shameful thoughts come up and that triggers the same cascade, a feeling in the body of like, oh. And for me, it's like in the stomach somewhere, in the pit of the stomach, like. And then a cascade of like internal behavior, like launching into thought loops about, oh, maybe I should just never do talks again. Oh, you know, I just, I have no business making videos or whatever it is. And, and you know, so this doesn't have to be something that physically happens in the world, right? So it's all in our head. It's all in thought and you feel it in the body. So the trigger happens, you feel this sensation in the body and then you watch what's next. If you have enough presence and you do it and you practice it enough, what can happen is you don't launch right into the reaction. There's the feeling in the body and then you sit 
with that feeling and notice that part of that cascade is an urge to do something, to react. So you feel in the body the thing and you're just like, God, I gotta do something. I gotta honk my horn or I gotta yell at this person or I even gotta have a thought that like this should be otherwise. Whatever it is, that's the reaction. In between the trigger, then you have the feeling in the body, there's a gap before reaction happens. And in that gap is where you wanna sit and you wanna feel that urge to react and go, God, ooh, you feel it as a pull and just sit with it. And, and this is, this can be the most uncomfortable thing in the world. It can feel absolutely terrible and that's where the money is. Because it's that sense of it feeling terrible and intolerable that, that triggers this underlying belief that we can do something about that. And that moreover, something needs to be done about that. Isn't that it? So it's like somebody cuts you off, they honk at you, you feel the flesh in the body, and now it's like this cannot stand. This feeling in the body is not okay. There's a strong urge to do something be driven by this unconscious belief that if you don't do something, this is intolerable, right? That something has to be done and that you can do something. And then the reaction. Now, so you instead you sit in that gap and this can be very hard to do. That's why I think you should watch the video because the mind will try to throw you little lifelines and say, oh yeah, rationally, there's nothing to do here. That's not what this is. This is an energetic feeling. You need to realize in the body what this urge is. And then here's the key thing. When you're able to sit there with that urge, that's when the inquiry happens. That's when you look in that gap in that experience, in that energetic state of wanting to do something. Look in your experience. What in my experience here actually says I need to do anything? Or that anything I do is actually gonna change what already happened? And just sit with that. Go, do I need to react? It's a simple question, why? Why should I react? What in my experience now says that I need to react to this? And react is very different than respond. People will say, well, then you just become a pincushion. Of course, you gotta do something. You can't just let people walk all over you. Very different. Responding would be to slow down, to make sure there isn't an accident, to let the person rage and rant and drive on and drive straight ahead. That's a response. A reaction is all the rage and everything and the fingers and the honking and all that or getting out of the car worse, right? Or whatever it is that road rage happens for you. And it could be that actually none of that happens and you respond exactly correctly, but the reaction is internal and you're just getting angry and furious and blaming that person and thinking they could have done otherwise and all this. And that is suffering, that's suffering. Resisting what was, resisting what is, that's suffering. And it's suffering for you. And when you react externally, it's suffering for you and others. So sitting in the gap, noticing, is there anything I need to do to react? And over time, 
what can happen is you find that there's nothing to find there. There's nothing saying that you have to react. And then fundamentally the belief, that deep rooted belief that I must do something to make this happen, that I can control this by reacting is seen through energetically, not conceptually, it just relaxes. And then reactivity starts to get less and less and less. And at some point reactivity breaks and a trigger happens, the body sensation arises and nothing happens. There's no reaction, just a response. You just do the next thing that's correct. But nothing is felt, nothing is owned. Because remember, at the core of this is a fundamental misapprehension about reality, that you exist as a separate self that can do things. So the self that, that exists that could have done something differently that is reacting, in a sense is creating its identity by the belief that it could do something else and then reacting. The whole reactivity process is a reification. It's a making real of a fundamental delusion that you're a separate struggling self. And fetters one, two, three already You've seen that the self doesn't really exist. You can't find the self in experience. You just find sensation and feelings and pressure. And so why, is, why do I still feel like a person walking through the world? Well, because there's still more unfolding. There's more realization, which is this reactivity is creating in real time your sense of self and holding it up. And it's generating suffering. And you know it because you feel like you're suffering. You feel this reactivity as a kind of suffering deeply. So, oh, Carol, thank you so much for the $10, by the way. I appreciate you. Um, and Barbara's talking about reactivity. Yeah, it's exactly what happened to me. I was so reactive and it just kind of left me. So as you do this work, things just start to relax. But here's the trick. This is why I called this, this can feel truly terrible and that's okay. Because I'm going through this now. Like. I tried to do this work a few months ago and I reached out to Angelo and he's like, okay, this is how you do this. And I started working with it and I felt these things and I was like, ah, oh, yeah. And something happened where I was like, you know what? I don't know, I don't need to do this right now. I was getting kind of re even more reactive. And really it was, it was what I'm pointing at now, which is as you sit with this work, it can energetically dredge up some of the most unpleasant, horrible feeling, emotions, sensations, memories, whatever, because it gets to the root, the very root of our suffering, the very root of our delusion of separateness. And in that space is a lot of stuff and it comes howling out. And so a lot of times we'll, the mind will try to throw us a lifeline. It thinks it's throwing us a lifeline. And it's like, you know, put the, you don't need to do this now. You're, you're not as reactive as you think. Or you start to rationalize, oh, I don't really need to be reactive. You're thinking about it conceptually. That's not how this works. This is an energetic uprooting of something, which means you have to dive into the places you never wanna look. It is so uncomfortable that you'll be squirming around like you're jumping out of your skin sometimes. And you'll find that now you're seeing reactivity everywhere. As you're going through your day, you're feeling it all over the place. Whereas before it was unconscious, now it's right there, front and center. And so you have to be patient with yourself. You have to be compassionate. Sometimes you may have to shelve it for a month 
and come back. Maybe pick some different trigger that's not as hot. But so for me lately, it's been like a, it's, it's like being lit on fire. Like it's so, and you, you can't see it clearly all the time. So sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm working on reactivity. Oh yeah, that kind of extinguished itself. That's cool, that's cool. And then throughout the day, you're just like, wow, about everything. Or you find yourself incredibly sad. Like, why am I so sad? Or you find that you're um, particularly angry or suddenly you're frustrated and feeling, and this is something that Angela told me can happen after I told him what I was experiencing. He said, oh, you'll feel more contracted, more like a self, more like you've never had awakening than ever. And I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels terrible. Yesterday I was sitting with this and I decided to take a break and I flipped through YouTube a little bit and I was watching videos of like non-duality speakers talking about this. And I would watch them and, and then I would kind of feel into my own sense of how I express this stuff. And, and, and it felt like, oh my God, I have no business fucking opening my mouth about any of this. I'm so delusional. Like I'm so contracted. I'm so beyond hope. Like that's how it felt. Like this is just like, I'll never make another video again. Like I, I was like gonna walk to the computer and delete YouTube and Facebook and all of it and just be like, why, why? I'm so unworthy of talking about this because I'm a mess. That's how it feels. So it's this energetic shitstorm, And so I sat with that and it felt like, it was like, oh my God, my whole, I didn't now. And here's the thing, here's the other thing that I, I realized for myself. Um, Reactivity and volatility is what I fucking do on YouTube. It's what I've done for a decade on YouTube. Like volatility is what people often liked about my older videos. When I talk about moral injury in healthcare, I am feeling into the sense of, of reactivity to a situation that I think can be otherwise, which yeah, it can be otherwise through response, but not through reactivity. But my reactivity was, and there you are, and these fucking administrators are telling you what to fucking do. And every day it's like being stabbed. It's like having a thousand paper cuts and death by a thousand paper cuts because you're a good person and this system is broken. And it's that sort of, and it just ramps. And, you, and, and those videos are done in one take and they're pure emotion, they're pure reactivity, they're pure volatility. And I'm giving voice to things that people won't say because they're afraid they're gonna be fired. And they watch the video and go, no one has ever said how I feel in that direct a way. And I'm feeling it because the volatility, the reactivity is on display. And that's how, that's how I did my thing. That all my identity as ZDogMD, the character that I create on YouTube, which increasingly is just Zubin, right? For the last few years, it's been Zubin, uh, is based in volatility. It works. If I do a video where I'm just like, okay, so here's the thing with, you know, reactivity. Some people are going to resonate with it, but most will be like, what, whatever. And so my personality, which is this kind of wants to share, wants to express, wants to, and then wants to go back and sit in a ball and realize, oh, I said the wrong, I, I did this wrong. They're going to think, they're going to see what a total fraud I am, you know? Like, th then that's, then I sit and suffer with that. <laughs> So 
So now it becomes increasingly impossible as realization kind of unfurls, it becomes increasingly impossible to be anything other than what's happening in the moment. And that's the kind of authenticity that's so terrifying because now you're dealing with your own volatility and realizing this was my identity as a person, as a separate person, as someone who has a career and success and influence and it's burning. Like it's gone, it's going, it's falling away, it's dying. I'm dying, that's what it feels like, yeah. It's so scary. And yet this is, <laughs> it's seen so clearly that this is what has to happen. And what happens on the other side of it? I don't know, maybe there's no more videos, maybe there's better videos, maybe there's nothing. Who cares? I don't know. And that's the thing is you realize increasingly you don't know anything. You can't know a femtosecond in the future because this future doesn't exist. It's unfolding from a mystery right now. The core mystery of this will not be solved by you, the apparent you. It won't. It won't be controlled by you. And that can't be thought about, that can't be conceptualized, it can't be argued with, it has to be felt energetically. And in that process, it is a death, it is dying. It is the death of the separate self, the death of the one who cares, the death of the one who could have done something about it, and it feels terrible. And so for people who are feeling that, there aren't many people on YouTube who talk about this, this aspect, Angelo does. Suzanne does, there are people who do. But sometimes actually, when you listen to them and this, you know, it can feel like, well, they're already free of reactivity. And so they're just special or something is beyond me because I'm broken. Because you're feeling all of this, you're feeling it in the body. You're like Ugh. the contraction and the identity and the, you know, and people are, by the way, people project on me all this bullshit too, because they don't, they're, they have a parasocial relationship with me. They think they see me at my, when I'm expressing in the moment, the perfection of this, and they think I'm some kind of perfectly enlightened, no self being. And then the next video I'm ranting and raving and volatile. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And I'm like, this is how it goes. <laughs> this is how it goes. And people don't typically tell you this. And it's okay, it's better than okay because the fundamental seeing is it's all absolutely necessary. And the universe actually holds you and supports you during this because you are that. And help shows up in the weirdest, most remarkable synchronous ways. Like this morning, I was feeling terrible. I was feeling terrible. I was sitting in this kind of thing just like, oh God, oh God. I'm, and, and a lot of it had to do with identity around making videos. Like, why do I still do this? Why do I even try to do this? Like, this is so stupid. Like so many other people are better at this. Like, you know, and if I make a music video now, no one gives a fuck. So it's like, why, well, I don't really wanna do that. And I, if I talk about awakening and realization and non-duality, there's so many people that are doing it so directly. Why the fuck am I doing it? And then just like, why do I feel so contracted? Why do I feel like such a you know, separate person when two days ago or two minutes ago, it was just infinite expansion and no thing. 
and unconditional love. What's wrong with me, right? So I'm feeling like this and now I'm like, oh, I'll do my usual distraction, which is go check my email. So I checked my email and I got this email from somebody who's been watching the show for a long time. And they're like, I just wanted to thank you for all these things that you, you and Angelo and John Aston and others that you've had on your show, you're showing people like us on the path that have been through this with you, that this is how it goes, that it's all right, you know? And uh, they wanted to express their gratitude and they did it beautifully in this email. And I was just like, like you couldn't design a universe intentionally to be that perfect. And yet here it is, it's perfectly unfolding. Like that's exactly what I needed to hear. And that's when I decided, I was like, I'm gonna make a video today, even though I kind of have been avoiding making videos, especially on YouTube. Like I do them on Facebook now and again, I don't know why it feels energetically different, but this is very different. And um, yeah. So again, I, I think the best I can do, gang, is share my own experience. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a fucking guru. I'm just another apparent body-mind that's going through the energetic process of dying. That's it on this journey, journeyless journey. True School says right there with you, when I'm in profound anger, rage, people are like, aren't you supposed to be wise? doesn't work like that, this process. Would never take it back though, thank you. I love every word you said, that's it. Because because then people project onto you what they think their process is or the process should be. And they're treating you as some kind of like wise enlightened person and you feel the opposite. And so then it creates this, this, this again, reactivity. The, the trigger is someone's calling you enlightened and then saying, why are you still yelling at this car? My wife used to do this shit to me. And it was actually really useful because like I would come home and be like, oh, I just got in this fucking honking match with this person. And she'd be like, I thought you were, this was a, before she had her own sort of shift. She's like, I thought you're supposed to be this enlightened. You meditate like hours a day, like what's up with that? And that was like being stabbed. It was like, because, because you knew she was right in the sense that there's this belief, underlying belief that enlightenment is this and I should be this way. Same thing, fundamental belief that you somehow ought to be different than what is. That somehow you control these things, right? And so then you feel shame and then you feel like guilt and then you feel anger and, and it's like, oh, more reactivity. And it's the same thing, like what you were saying is um, you would never take it back because there's this deep knowing a basic trust, and it's faith in the truest sense, not in belief, someone told you to believe something. Faith in that, I've, I experience reality as it is, empty of self, infinite, eternal. Like, this is the experience now. It's your experience now, you just may not know it because of the clouds of obscuration and thought and belief, but even those are it. So that knowing, if you've ever had it, even as a glimpse, generates faith, this knowing from experience, not from belief, from experience that everything's actually better than okay, it's perfect. You aren't what you think you are. You never had control of anything. You were never doing this. All of this is innocent and it's unfolding perfectly. And so would you give up 
that realization, if you could, by the way, you can't give it up. No, that's absurd because that deep faith, you may feel like, I wish I'd never done this. I wish I'd never gone down this dream. But in reality, if you feel into it, you're like, no, I couldn't have it any other way. It can't be any other way because the knowing is it is exactly as it is. Yeah. And so you go through this dark night. That's just exactly how it is. But that faith, that knowing of what this really is, maybe you get that on a retreat sometime. Maybe you get it in as a, a spontaneous awakening. Maybe you're meditating at home. Who knows? Maybe you're in prayer. It doesn't matter. You know, you know what this is. And then all the doubts and, and fears that arise, that's all fine. That can all be there. It's still this. It's all this. And you know it at the deepest level of your marrow. Nothing can shake that. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, Barbara Rosen says, grateful to hear this right now. Appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Barbara. Um, Red Rock Engineer says, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous, experience, strength, and hope. That's beautiful. There's so many parallels between re the recovery community and awakening. It's the same. It's, it's the same thing. Um, Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode, it's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also wanna hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me and we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you wanna be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. Sandra says, well, your wife had a good point. You do control yourself. It's called self-control. Okay, so look in your experience for the self that is exerting control and see if you can find it. See if things aren't just happening. And that underlying belief that there's a you behind your head that is pulling levers is something you can investigate. You can see if you can find that self. Because if you really believe, if you're operating from a fundamental belief that you have control over your environment, and can control others and can control yourself, meaning you actually have direct control over what you say and do in every moment consciously. That is gonna set up a impossible bar to meet. And that's where reactivity comes in because now you get a trigger, you get the feeling in the body and you feel like I can do something about this. I have self-control and then you go and try to control. And when, it, when control doesn't go your way, what happens? what happens? 
look there. Now, so I'm not saying you don't have responsibility. I'm not saying you don't respond. In fact, responsibility is response able. Able to respond without purely reacting from an emotional unconscious belief that somehow you can control the universe. And when you respond in a way that doesn't come from reactivity, it's often just the right thing. Generates way less suffering for you and others. And it shows up in the world. This is the, this is the paradox. This is the paradox. It shows up in the world as self-control. <laughs> like when you see somebody behave like that, you're like, God, they have so much self-control. It's not that, it's equanimity. They know what they can control, which is nothing, but they know things are unfolding and they know they're part of the unfolding and it just is spontaneous action. And it looks like self-control. There's no, there's no um, urge to respond in the body that breaks. Now I'm not there, but I can see it so clearly. Like, it's like, oh God, I see the cascade. I'll get lost occasionally, but sometimes I'll catch it mid-cascade. It just shows up. A good example of me catching it mid-cascade, but still doing the behavior is, you know, I saw my oldest daughter was watching her iPhone while eating cereal. No, she was eating something that I'd cooked as a leftover and was just like mindlessly eating it and watching the, the, the show. And something from... I've, I've talked to her before about this. I'm like, yeah, we don't wanna really like watch TV while we're eating. It's like a bad thing to do because you're gonna mindlessly eat and you're not gonna appreciate the food. You're gonna be distracted. And then you're gonna eat you know, garbage. And even though it's like tastes really good, you're just wasting it because you're not enjoying it. And it, it comes probably from my own childhood when I used to do that and got pretty chubby. And so she's not chubby but here I am projecting my sense of control. Like, no, I want her to be what I wasn't and I can somehow make that happen. And so beyond just saying, teaching her, you know, I think this is not a good thing to do. This is what, this is what the cascade is. I'm already volatile because I've been sitting with this stuff. I see her do it. I'm like on my computer and I look, of course I'm on my computer ironically, but I'm not eating. I look at her and suddenly I can feel it. I feel the tension in the body because I'm seeing something here that, my unconscious belief is this I don't want. I don't want my daughter doing this. And then all, all other kind of vibrating thoughts are like, I told her not to do this before. She's not listening to me. So again, control, 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 helplessness. So then the immediate like, so anger is the response. It arises, I feel it like the flushing and all of that. And then I just take the iPad and I go, I just tip it over flat on its face. And I tell her to take out her little earbud and I said, don't watch TV while you're eating. I told you not to do that. It's really bad. And then I go back to my typing. And you can tell she's just like, oh, you know, dad's having one of his moments. And so I realized right away, oh my God. And I felt in the body and I relived the sequence really quickly. I was like, oh God, trigger, feeling in the body, anger, reaction. I was like, wow, that was so fast. And so clear what exactly happened and all the sense of control and everything. I was like, wow. So then I like, then I sat with her and I was like, okay, she's not watching TV. So let me sit with her and I'll go, this is, this is honestly why I get triggered by this. And I told her, I said, you know, cause you know, dad's been through all this. Like I'm like traumatized by being a really fat kid. And a lot of it was mindlessly eating and watching TV. You're not fat. 
Um, I don't think you'd be fat, but this is why I'm, I feel so strongly about it because it's from my own experience. And uh, you know, if you wanna do it, you can do it, but that, that's why I feel strongly. So I tried again to respond now in retrospect rather than react. And it's it, dude, it's hard, especially with kids, because there is this deep belief that somehow you're responsible for how they're turning out, even though they're gonna do what they do. You're like, hmm. So you get reactive instead of responsive. Um, Ashley says, one thing that it's uh, really interesting to watch the cascade once you recognize what's happening, I'm still new to it myself. Yeah, see, once you see it, you see it everywhere and you see it in others, but really it's about you. It's always about you. If you're seeing things in others, you're seeing what's in you. It's always a projection. Um, and what, the sooner you notice that, the less suffering there's gonna be. Um, Ann Brown said, I was talking to Barbara. Um, Sandra says, self-control is like doing nothing. Yeah, that's right. So the, you just don't react and you can respond, but you're not reacting. Uh, that's the self-control you're pointing at. Um, Let's see, Sandra says, I always watch TV while I eat. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's just with my kid, again, it comes from my own, it's, an, it's a projection of mine. Now, of course the teaching is don't mindlessly eat, but so what, you're gonna do what you do. You know, if it's not bothering you, do your thing. Um, there's really not a right and wrong. Bessmith says, is it true for judgment of self too? Yes, so what I was talking about earlier in the, in the live stream is, for me, self-judgment shows up in all these different ways, but one of the ways is with uh, live talks that I do and with um, videos, because that's kind of my my professional identity is around that. Because I stopped, I stopped seeing patients in the last couple of years. It's like, so my identity as a physician is already, it's crazy. It's already gone. I don't feel it uh, the way I used to where I'm like, oh, I'm a practicing physician and this is what I do. That has fallen away. So identity can drop, it can shift. Like it's never gonna be gone in the sense that, well, I'm always gonna be a doctor and I always know this stuff and I always actually care about the issues around all this and I still talk about them. But my personal identity of who, of my story character is not doctor anymore. I don't know what it is actually. I don't know what it is. So where self-judgment comes up is when maybe there's some residual identity around, well, I'm, a, I'm someone who makes videos and teaches. Okay, so then I, I remember making a video and saying something and just feeling internal cringe that like, I can't believe I said that. Like, God, I'm such an idiot, you know, this kind of self-judgment and I'll just never make a video again. So, okay, what's, what's the sequence? It's the same thing, it's the same thing, it's reactivity. The trigger is, an intrusive memory of something that you said, by the way, which is not happening right now, but it's a thought. So that's the trigger. Then there's the feeling in the body. I feel it instantly, a pit, a pit of the stomach, like a, oh, it's like a cringe. Like when kids talk about, oh, that's so cringe, dad. That's what it is. It's like, it's a feeling and it's very uncomfortable. Meaning humans have been conditioned to, to feel that this kind of feeling is not okay. So you try to avoid it. So what happens, there's an urge to react because the unconscious belief is that it could have been otherwise. I can control this, or I could do something about this, or somehow the reaction will make this better. So what happens? The reaction is you launch into self-judging thoughts. Oh, you're so stupid, and this, and this, and this. And in a way, those thoughts actually relieve that energetic. 
They they deal they generate other suffering energetics like shame and, and other stuff like that. Those are more emotion, but they do accomplish the distraction from this intolerable feeling in the body that's that's triggered. So what you do is you sit with it, maybe even induce it. Sit there and go, oh, okay, that's the work is inducing it. Going, okay, okay, this is what happens when I think about something that I said or something I said to someone. I was like, oh, just cringe. Okay, sit with the cringe. And then look in your experience. When you stabilize sitting in that gap, look in your experience, where is there anything in my experience that says I need to do anything about this? That I need to react, that I need to launch into thought, that I need to have emotion, that it, what, what needs to happen here? And you look, and you look, and you look, and the inquiry is realizing, oh, there's nothing here that says I need to do that. Okay, let's do it again. And at some point, that energetically, at an energetic instinctual level dissolves the belief that you could have done anything, that anything you do to react is gonna make it better. And then you respond. You know? And in this case, the response may be nothing. It may be just equanimity. Like, oh yeah, sometimes you say things. That's fine. Um, Don says, can't thank you enough for teaching me to notice. I have so much peace now. Oh, that's lovely, Don. Now here's the thing, okay? I'm glad that that's happening. And that's a big part of this. But if that piece seems to shatter, if you have a bad day or week or month or year, or if you're feeling especially volatile or whatever, that's what I'm pointing out today. That's okay. It's actually part of this. So don't be hard on yourself. Don't, you know, be very patient and loving with yourself. Have a lot of compassion because this is tender stuff. Like this is goes right to the roots of our earliest traumas and sense of separation and sense of self-worth and this reactivity that we can control our environment because the environment's not okay. Uh, it's right there. It's deep stuff. And so, yeah, it's gonna dredge up a lot of stuff. But man, when that reactivity chills out, how much less suffering is there for you and others? It's almost indescribable. And how much less identity? So how much less sense of me against the world? And then just, no, there's just the world. There's just life, lifing. Sandra says, be patient. You'll know when there's something you need to do. I think that's very true, but you have to be, you have to allow a certain willingness to see. And it can be very hard, like pre your first glimpse of awakening or awakening, whatever that is. It's more an energetic kind of knowing that, oh, I, I was never really the body and the mind. Uh, and that's really kind of dumbing it down, because but it's, but it's not because it's not conceptual. So you see, I have I have real problem with this whole idea of awakening, because right? it's an idea. What it actually is, is not describable. It's not an event. It's not a thought. It's not a concept. You can't learn about it but you can make yourself willing and then words can point in the direction of the energetic realization of it. But prior to that, this can be impossible to do because you're just lost in thought and identity all the time. And so you're so mind identified that this would not just not even be possible to do. So this is not something you start your journey <laughs> trying to stop reactivity because what's gonna try to stop it? The mind. The mind is gonna go to battle with the mind and whether the mind wins or loses, the mind wins. And you don't want the mind to win. Well, actually it doesn't matter. Win or lose, it doesn't matter because you're not the mind. But you won't know that, you won't realize that instinctively uh, until that first sort of clarification. 
then this other stuff starts to happen and it becomes much more um, inevitable, actually. Oh, thank you, Barbara. Uh, Paul says, uh, the more I notice, the more I notice lots of tension and contraction in the chest, shoulders, neck, and head, beautiful. So what Angela says, and, and I find this to be very true, is, is you just check in with the body. Just remember to check in with the body. So something's happening and you're noticing, there's a noticing, a meta-awareness like, oh, something isn't right. Maybe there's reactivity, maybe there's strong emotion, maybe there's resistance. So where would you feel that? Check in with the body. Feel into the area we're calling body for, and then drop all the labels of body and all that and then just feel, go, oh yeah, there it is. There's some tension. Like when this thing happened with my oldest daughter where I kind of knocked over her iPad, uh, that reactivity cascade, oh, I could feel it. It was anger, like right here. And <clears throat> by checking in with the body, I knew what it was. I'm like, oh, there's reactive anger. And if I felt into the original trigger and the first energetic reaction, that wasn't anger. The first energetic reaction was a kind of indescribable contraction in the body that was un unpleasant. That, that was the sort of thing I wanted to avoid by reacting. And you gotta feel the body. And Paul says, it all feels terrible. You know what? Yeah, it can feel terrible. Now remember, terrible is a judgment that the mind puts on it after the fact. In reality, it's just energy. But it's okay to say it all feels terrible. That, I mean, again, that's the title of my video. I just, looking at it here, this can truly feel terrible and that's okay. Yeah. Um, Dawn says, I always check to see if my teeth are touching. That's very good too. Yeah, clenched teeth if they're touching. But everybody's different. Um, Ashley says, I thought of this paradox yesterday while listening to Adya Shanti. Awakening feels like losing everything, but how can that be when nothing has ever left? Yeah, see, that is the paradox. It is all, all the sense of it feels terrible. It, I am dying. This is intolerable. Comes from the mind. That's all thought. That's all the story the mind tells. But prior to and transcending the mind, paradoxically, is reality, is your true nature, living truth, this, life. And that has no, it's beyond duality of good and bad, terrible and wonderful. It is the space, the infinity in which all those can arise and all are welcome. And so from the standpoint of mind, it's a death. From the standpoint of reality, nothing has ever happened. This is the stillness at the heart of everything. This is the stillness that is staring you in the face that is your face before the big bang. The stillness on the face of the waters, the biblical stillness before there was the word and manifestation, that stillness, that indescribability that mystery is here, now, always, and already. And all of the manifestation of sight, sound, smell, touch, taste, thought is all radiating as that. 
now. And it has never been otherwise. It's always been this. And sometimes when you recognize that here and now, you'll feel it in the body. The body will light up. It will no longer be the body. It will be the universe lit up, galaxies of sensation swirling in emptiness. That is not empty. And words don't touch it. Words can be a signpost that points you in the direction of the radiance of this, the indescribability of this, but they will never describe or capture it because any description in any capture is thought. And thoughts are never objectively true. They always point to other thoughts. They're just appearances in this. So what is true? What is truth? What is reality? What is this? Can you feel that? Just drop all of your ideas about this moment. I could do that for the rest of the live, honestly, and probably should, but there's really no but. Maybe we should just do that. <laughs> I want to read, I feel like I want to read some comments. Sue says, hey, what, uh, watching what triggers you helps me notice my own triggers and continue to question everything. Just because I can name something doesn't mean I actually understand what it is. Hmm. Yeah, I've, got, I've definitely go through that where it's like, oh, I can name what that is, but, you, you, but you're not knowing it instinctually. You're knowing it conceptually. You're knowing it in thought, but instinctually means feeling it as it is energetically as an appearance. So the trigger the feeling in the body, the sensation, the urge to react, that gap between reaction and urge, where that urge lives. And then just looking, 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 looking. What here says I need to react? What here says I need to do anything? See, like if I feel into my body right now, and sometimes, you know, I notice that if I check my blood pressure after a live show, like it's elevated because there's something about going live that creates an adrenaline rush, but I feel super calm during the show, but you know, there's something going on in the body. So right now, if I check in with my body between my shoulder blades on my back, there's a tightness in the back of my arms, my like tricep area, there's a a tension like a wanting to spring out of the seat. In my legs, there's a kind of a buzzing intensity. And right here in the chest, it's just empty, like completely still. So this kind of feeling into what's happening, and it's not that you're trying to change anything. You're not trying to say, okay, let me, let me change this tension in the arms or whatever. You could do that if you want, but it's more just what's here. Is it welcome? Well, it's here, so it has to be welcome. Otherwise it wouldn't be here. 
Barbara Rosen says, what about hurt versus anger? Are they different? They're often quite intimately dancing with each other. Often when somebody does something that is perceived as a hurt, it's not felt as hurt immediately, it's felt as anger. But if you really feel into it, if you let just feel into the body, where is this felt? It's kind of like it can show up as hurt and sadness. It's felt a certain way. And you realize you were angry because you felt abandoned or you felt betrayed or you felt not seen and there's hurt. Abandonment is something that, uh, when you hear abandonment, sometimes you feel like, oh no, that's, I'm not abandoned, no one's abandoning me. Like that's not a thing for me, you know? But then you really feel into something that someone did or a situation and you realize, no, it was abandonment. I felt like I was left or they weren't there for me or whatever. And when you really feel into it, you go, oh. And then you can feel further and go, okay, so let me look in my experience. What says that they needed to be? And is there anything you know, in my reaction now that is gonna change anything? It is exactly as it is, full surrender to what happened or what is. And that's the practice and it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, fear and anger do a dance too, Rosie. Um, Lil Roddy says, heart chakra, we receive love from the back. That's interesting, yeah. I don't know much about the chakras and stuff because it always felt kind of woo-woo to me, but there are these energetic centers and I know them and I feel them. Uh, and you know, like my wife in particular seems to just instinctively be able to move energy through these for me. Like she'll just like put her fingers, do this, and I'm like, what? Heart chakra opens, whatever that is. But it's just felt as like release of energy. Um, looking through your comments. Beth Smith, what is this pressure of trying so hard to awaken it's like I'm in junior high with a test that nobody told me what to study for. Oh my God, Beth, let's talk about this. Oh my God. All right. Okay. This is something that hits very close to home. This whole awakening thing. This is why I get, I really struggle with talking about this as a journey or a process or something with stages or some kind of attainment because especially coming from a medical background, like that just fires up all the unworthiness, competition, um, peer pressure. So you hang out with someone who you think is more realized than you. And then you're just like, fuck, why is that person so realized? And I'm struggling here. I've been working hard at this forever. It's almost like it's the second you stop caring and you realize there was never a me to care about this, that everything becomes clear. And you can never know what another is going through. 
and everything happens perfectly as it, as it is. It's unfolding for you exactly as it should, which should lead to just infinite gratitude, but it doesn't. It doesn't when we have even the tiniest twinge of mind identification still. Um, it's just like, and oh boy, man, I went through this just this weekend. I was just feeling like gnashing my teeth about how inadequate I am in terms of awakening because you know, I'm feeling all this volatility. And I'm, and I'm self-flagellating on videos I've made. And I'm like, why do I even talk about this stuff? I'm an idiot. People can see right through that I don't know what the fuck is going on. And the truth is I don't. Nobody does. <laughs> but it is that comparing mind comes online, the comparing mind, which generates so much suffering. And that's a kind of reactivity too. It's like, there's a trigger. You think someone's more awake or whatever, or they're expressing in a way where you're like, God, I'm fucking jealous. This happened when my wife had her kind of shift. I was like, God damn it, I've been doing this for a decade and she just fucking shows up and is speaking like a Zen master overnight. Never done any meditation. I was all pissed. And then I was like, this is perfect. She's waking me up. Like, Are you kidding? This is beautiful. Um, Dr. Fox, and when we realize we are already this, then we don't care. I mean, that's the thing. The realization is there. It's just apparently obscured. And ultimately it just goes deeper and deeper and unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. This realization that everything, all of the struggle, all of the drama, all of the unworthiness, all of the comparing mind is this, it's this. It's this radiant presence now. Perfect, beyond perfect, could not have been otherwise, shouldn't be otherwise because it's exactly as it is. It's already and always perfect. And that leads to a kind of a realization of the innocence of the whole process. Even delusion is this. June says, does your wife meditate now? Yeah, it's funny, after this thing, she just, just sits in a chair and just sits silently, you know, for an hour. That's her meditation. That's beautiful. Yeah, she's, yeah. It's been really, I was gonna say it's been lovely, but it's really not different. It's, it's kind of weird. It's seen as, yeah, this is what's now, this is reality now that she and I are actually, we understand each other from this angle. It's no longer me trying to do this thing that she can't be a part of. Now it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's this. Yeah, you see it, I see it, yeah. But what's funny is I struggle a lot more. I'm much more volatile. She had a lot of that volatility come up just in the few days after this big shift in April. And um, a lot of that emotion came through very, very quickly. For me, it's never been a single like, you know? It's been like, like since 2012. So it's been a, like a kind of a slow, unfolding realization. It's never been like a motherfucking Satori where I see the nature of fucking reality, boom, and I'm totally eradicated and man, just seeing all my past lives and shit. None of that shit. No, that doesn't, doesn't resonate at all, but this is seen clearly. And I think it was even back in 2012. I just didn't have words for it. And then the mind starts to clear out, things start to fall away. Some of the belief and identity starts to loosen. And then there are these bigger shifts that happen within that. And 
all of it is just part of the unfolding of it, apparently. Apparently, since it doesn't happen in space and time. <laughs> Makes it a little hard to talk about. Dr. Fox says, yes, the comparing mind, do we truly believe we all have to be the same? Do we honestly treat people as if their own body is its own wise being? I don't think we do. Yeah, we don't. Every single expression of this is different. It cannot be us. And yet it is us. Like when you wake up, the whole universe wakes up in a way because it's all one consciousness. <laughs> Even that's kind of saying, saying too much. Consciousness, what is that? Can't objectify it. All right. Yeah, Beth, see, I'm waiting pissed off for this giant ball of light to show up. It just doesn't necessarily have, everybody's different. It doesn't have to happen that way. So you get a lot of inadequacy when you hear somebody. That's why it used to be, it used to be taboo to talk about your own enlightenment experiences because everybody's different and people can turn it into concepts and turn it into seeking and so on. But I think it is useful actually because people wake up in so many different ways that if you tell a bunch of different kind of general ways that these things might've been triggered, it can offer some validation and hope too. So it's kind of mixed. Um, yeah, and could it be a personality thing? Is your wife a calmer person than you? Seems to be June Black. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's how she's wired. Uh, and how I'm wired is this volatile ball of, you know, which has served us both well. Like my volatility has served my career well. Her calmness has served her career well. So it really works well. Um, ultimately, when you're following what you're supposed to, you know, whatever the wisdom of the body mind is showing you. Hey, Rigpa, since you wake up and liberate all lives, you're good. See, that's kind of it. You, you wake up and all lives just kind of, it, it's very paradoxical. <laughs> I am you and you are me and are you me, C. Tavares? I am the walrus. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I think we did a, th a no thing. Yeah, so I don't know what I'm gonna do with this channel, honestly. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people here that still are here because of, you know, they're just subscribers because of COVID, but they don't watch this stuff or they're medical people that are trying to fix that system. And I do I do some of the medical stuff still, but I don't know what I wanna do with this thing. Yeah. Maybe leave a comment after the live video ends in the comments, what, what would you like to see? I mean, it doesn't matter what you like because I'm gonna do what I wanna do, but it might trigger something in me that says, oh yeah, this is instinctively how I feel. And there are people that might resonate with it. So it's a Venn diagram that kind of overlaps. Um, yeah, and I, I'm super grateful to my subscribing supporters, the ones who like support the show. Uh, like it makes all this possible because I don't go out and do other things to hustle for cash. So it pays the bills like the studio and everything. It's the Bay Area, it's expensive. But in the end, if we shut it all down, then we shut it all down, right? But I don't think that's gonna happen. It doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. If I feel in the body when I think about that, it feels terrible. It's like, okay, I don't think it's just resistance. I think it's it's not right. I'm supposed to do something. This body mind's supposed to express in some way. Um, 
Kathy likes a new and improved me. <laughs> I'm hoping there's no me eventually, but even that's a seeking. That's a, I'm hoping there's no me. It's like, what kind of seeking is that? There's no me now. You just don't see it. Um, LJ says, I think you should continue on this journey. And if any of us who want to come along or who are drawn to it will be there. Exactly. I think that's how it is. Like the email I got this morning. Um, oh, thank you, Diana in Lisbon. And Quirky Dave, a channel about nothing and yet it's about everything. There you go. That's the paradox. All right, guys, I love you. I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Um, yeah, leave a comment after the thing and uh, you know, hit the like button if you like it. It helps YouTube to push the video to other people who have similar interests. There's some mysterious algorithm as mysterious as this. All right, I love you. Until next time. Oh, wait, wait, one last thing. Jerg says, whatever you do, keep it volatile. Hell fucking yeah, bitch. <laughs> That's me. You're not gonna change this personality. The Zubin personality is just, it's on, it's it's how it's wired. So when I'm feeling the volatility, oh, it'll it'll show. But it won't be reactivity. I think it'll just be like, we'll just ride the waves of samsara together. All right, guys, I love you. We are out. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.